you ain't shit. Here, you got shit. I wish I was 50 years younger you and I'd kick your ass. You won't do shit. You won't do nothing. How you doing folks and welcome back to another episode of the combat show with me Darren Morgan. So on today's episode I'm talking to Robert Kavanagh and Robert is a very interesting guy because um, he is and was one of my mentors um, in a professional sense and also just you know he's a great man to just sit down and have a chat with and we went through this podcast the importance of having a mentor of basically how you create balance in work in life um, and how you set goals etc um, so it was a great chat and it was great to just sit down with Robert and I really hope you take something away from this and really explore the area of mentorship because it's a very interesting and um, intriguing area so really hope you enjoy it thanks a million for coming on today uh, it was great to talk again yesterday and have you on now um, and just what I'd like to do is just to introduce you to our listeners so would you just give them an indication of who you are and what you do for sure uh, yeah Darren thanks for inviting me on um, yeah I know yourself through the mentorship program and through DCU um, I know we're both from the southeast so Wexford man we both went to DCU, undergrad, business, business management. Then went on to do a master's in, in e-commerce. I'm over here in London now working for a, a company called Envision as a, an account executive. And I know we, we met initially a few years ago through the DCU mentorship program, which is going to be one of the key teams on, on today's session, for sure. But we'll touch upon more than that, I'm, I'm sure. Of. Definitely, definitely. And... You, you just touched a tiny bit on the mentorship program. Um, can you give listeners an ind- indication of what that entails and what did you actually, what was your role on that? Um, and maybe an indication of even before that, I know you were a mentee yourself, so the kind of progression there. Yeah, the, the mentorship program came on my radar in my second year at DCU same mentorship program that's in place today mm-hmm. and signed up, went to the orientation, got paired with a lady called Elodie in eBay and followed the program throughout my, my second year of, of uni and did my curriculum very similar to the one that we went through, Dara, before my intro year of CV clinic, you know, tour of eBay, and, you know, sample interviews, etc. So that was my, my, my first exposure to a, a mentorship program. Absolutely loved it. Then from there went on, did a mentorship program the following year in Google. That was through the Access program. Again, fantastic. Another fantastic uh, e-commerce company. I um, both definitely influenced my decision to do the master's in, in e-commerce. Um, that was my second instance. And then... With yourself, when the mentorship program came around, went on the other side of the table, was a mentor instead of a mentee, and you know, mentored yourself. I hopefully got a lot out of it. And I know it was successful in respect to the aspect of the intra one for one interview, which is which Definitely. is always great to hear. Definitely. And uh, knocked it out of the park. <laughs> um, and I think, yeah, and then the topic of mentorship, I think has carried its way throughout my life from that initial mentorship program in DCU up until now where, you know, even in work at the moment, I did a mentorship program in the past couple of months and and continue to look for mentorship, perhaps not necessarily in the formal way that we see it, but mentorship in different formats, you know, be it a manager who you want to learn from or, you know, a particular individual that you want to really try and uh, pick their brain on. So, Mentorship is definitely something that I place a lot of value in mm. and I learned a lot from being on both sides of it from a mentor and a mentee. Mm. So something that I personally 
value very, very highly. Yeah, and you just touched touched on the CV clinics, and I know we're joking about you. You grilled me a bit on that, but how how did you uh, kind of learn that? Because I I found it very helpful. Um, the basically the constructive criticism. You know, it wasn't Dara, you're shit, and <laughs> you know, it was it was very it was grilling me, but it was grilling me in the right way, in the way that I could consume that and then try and build on it did you do you have to work on that or it, because it is a fine line that you're you're walking on sometimes well i think i, I may have said that comment initially when i saw it first in one of your cvp so <laughs> i think the, the first aspect arrow wants uh, yeah you know and i think you know i mentioned it yesterday with ross which is you know finding somebody in in a mentorship situation and you know having that mutual understanding having that social contract and then also having that open-mindedness of I am open to your feedback and I will take the good with the bad uh, and, and hopefully the bad will result in the good and you know particularly with yourself I identify that I can provide that feedback I also identify the the hunger and the willingness to learn and to improve uh, and perfection you know and that's ultimately what we were going for we were going for for perfection I think you know, one of the goals I had was for you to put yourself in front of a prospective employer for them to see you as the best candidate amongst what is a very competitive pool. There's 150 plus students in our class that go for the same batches of companies in similar roles. You have to differentiate yourself somehow, even if that means, you know, maybe refining your skills in the lead up perhaps that extra 10% gets you over the line of, 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 of what you need to achieve. So, you know, from our experience that I identified early on that, that you were happy to, to take the feedback. Uh, I think the other aspect as well is when you apply feedback, you want to see change when, mm-hmm. when feedback goes over someone's head or goes in one ear out the other, then that's not a mutual relationship. That's not, you know, a social contract. So, you know, <laughs> you know going back to the CV, for example, we did version one, we did version two, we did version three, we did version four. Mm. Uh, you know, we put it out there, we got some tests, we got some, some feedback back. You know, we're constantly asking questions. So that's what I personally took as, as a strategy and an approach. It. I think you appreciate it from the other side, but if you, if you have any comments or anything different, then let's say it now. But uh, No, no, I definitely yeah. appreciate it. <laughs> it was amazing. And that kind of, brings me on nicely into my kind of a next point because it was kind of I was thinking about it earlier and why is mentorship important in your eyes and why do you think that it hasn't been emphasized as much in Ireland and the UK as you think it you know the US you know you see Warren Buffett, Benjamin Graham, Mark Zuckerberg with Steve Jobs you see these high profile mentorship here you don't really see it as much why do you think that is and what can be changed do you think well when you think about it mentorship as a concept formally came on my radar in my second year of university so when I was around the the age of 20 but mentorship you know it's, it's coming on people's radar right now but mentorship in the example that we've just shared of something that's quite formal of you, me, program, structure, professional, uh, is one example of it. I think what we don't see or maybe don't recognize it as much is mentorship in the day-to-day where it could be, you know, a sports coach and a player. You know, it could be a kid who's trying to improve on their performance and, you know, just that one-to-one coaching. And I think mentorship does happen. I just maybe perhaps think that people don't see it because it's not as formal. But then when people do see it and do recognize it, they excel. Mm. Um, so I think it's the awareness. I think when people see the value that it, that it brings and it delivers and, and the high performance that it brings afterwards, then there'll be an appreciation. Um, and it's definitely something that I will continue to push. And um, yeah, I, I personally love the, the concept, love the idea. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's definitely helped myself. And moving on from that, just what would you say your passions are? Because I, I love to ask people that come on and people that are successful like yourself, what what would be your passions? 
Yeah, I mean, similar along the idea of a mentorship program, which is, you know, a passion for me is just always getting better at whatever respective goal I'm trying to achieve. So, you know, in the mentorship program, for example, that, that, that we went through and that I went through as well, you know, trying to get better perhaps um, professionally. You know, if I had a goal, I had a goal coming into this year of moving into a, a, an AE position and, and, and having that mentor to, to help me get along that, that, that process and understanding the stages, where do I want to get to, where am I at the moment, what's the gap, having the mentor to help me get up to that, that standard. Um, that's, that, that's how I would deem it as, as successful. That's kind of what drives me is, is the idea of always trying to take that next level, that next step, the, the continuous progression, you know, continually evaluating yourself and trying to be a better individual in, you know, every circumstance in, in life. And we were talking about earlier, um, we were talking about a work-life balance and especially now it's um, quite relevant. How do you strike up a work balance, work-life balance yourself? Which I think is an interesting topic, especially now with the shift to the you know, remote aspect of working. And people have different set of circumstances, personal circumstances. You know, I know for myself, you know, I'm happy to have my default, let's say, as work. I think if you're asking for advice on a work-life balance, you're asking the wrong individual because, <laughs> you know, it's not definitely one, not one of my best strengths. Um, my default is always work and then taking breaks out from, from, from work. I think knowing or having a routine on, on when you know you're working and when you're not working is vitally important. I think the two now merge into one. It's super easy to have push notifications on your phone for your emails or your Slack notifications that come true. And, you know, previously for me in an office, you know, as I said earlier, Jumping on the tube, reading the paper for me was the start of the, the working day. Mm. Similarly, jumping on the tube, reading the evening standard is the end of the day. So that psychological thing, due to aspect now with people working from home, maybe a morning walk, mm. you know, an afternoon run is very much start of the day, end of the day. You know, you get outside the four walls, clear your head, come back and, and then, you know, do whatever you want for the evening. But um I think work-life balance is, I mean, I think it's really interesting now how we're going to see the concept of the, the Monday to Friday, nine to five and the, and the regular commute, I think is, has, has changed and will change now and forever. In, in the next couple yeah, mm -hmm. forever, yeah, yeah, the next couple of years. Mm -hmm. I don't think productivity will, will particularly change, but what we also see is they need to be flexible because you now need to, let's say, maybe get up for a early morning call with Eastern Europe or the Middle East, you know, you might stay late in the afternoon to speak to, uh, you know, that, that level of flexibility now, you kind of, you almost need to be flexible to the job or to the work. But if you get the job done, it shouldn't really matter if that makes sense. Yeah. And it, uh, it's very interesting that, you know, a lot of people, they kind of do other things to get away from work, but it's brilliant that you actually enjoy work so much that you're, you kind of do things to get into work. Oh, I need to do this. I need to do that. So it's great chatting to someone who's really passionate about what they do. And you see that when people are doing something that they love, they're like, right, I'm going to do a bit of work now, you know, rather than I'm going to run away from work or, you know, things like that. Well, the biggest aspect to that, Dara, is, you know, if you're good at what you do, it's not a job. It's not a, mm -hmm. you know, like the mentorship program, for example, you know, I was never thinking to myself, oh, God, I've got the 7 p.m. You know, I've been on five or six Zoom calls today. I've got another one at seven o'clock tonight. You know, God, I'm going to push that out. You know, if, if you have an interest and you have a passion, it should be something that you actually look forward to instead of have a, a, a dread over. I think that's similar, be it you know, something like the mentorship program, be it professional in, in, in your job, you know, even a sport or, or a hobby. You know, if, if you're dreading go, going for a run in the afternoon to try to lose weight, like do something else like do something different like go for a swim or play a team sport or like do something different like you know what the goal is but the method to get there you don't particularly enjoy do something that you do enjoy jump on a trampoline for half an hour you'll burn just as many calories as going for a run you know mm -hmm. so 
enjoy it as well you know if you're doing something you don't have a smile on your face like stop doing it you know and I mean, it's going to be good and bad times when you when you do it. Nobody enjoys sweating when they're trying to lose weight. We all we've all been there, but mm. you know, try have a smile on your face, put on a good podcast, you know, take a good running route, you know, have fun, you know, enjoy it. And that that brings me on nicely. Um, I'm I'm not sure if you ever read Simon's next book. Um, and the title is "What Is Your Why?" So I'm just going to ask you, what is your why? Why do you do what you do? Um, and just basically why do you get up every morning you know yeah i think the why for me is goes back to that idea which i touched on on the mentorship aspect but always trying to improve mm. you know the why for me is that there's always more out there and um, the mentorship program for, for ourselves that came through the access yeah. scheme so you know we have a particular set of circumstances and and a background that, that, that we came from whereby you know, there's so much for us to achieve. The only gap, perhaps, is just working hard. You know, mm. knowing what we wanted to achieve and just working hard to get there. Um, and I think that's why the Access Programme, for example, is super successful because you have people from a certain background that have been given an opportunity and they seize it and, and, and they go for it. So mm. you know, the idea of what gets me out of bed in the morning <laughs> is the idea of there's more to achieve and there's always something more to achieve. There's always... You know that route that you can run faster. There's always that swim that you could do slightly quicker, and less uh, stretches. You can um, always do more of your sales target. You know, there's always more that you can achieve, and and, and that's what gets me out of bed in the morning. That's what keeps me going, and that's what keeps me hungry. Mm. Um, the, the key aspect really is just staying hungry. Mm. If you stay hungry and you have the goal and you have the drive to do it, if you amazed at what you can achieve um, when the opportunities present themselves and you know, something like the access program, similar to the mentorship program. You know, the mentorship program was an email that came out amongst many that caught my eye, mm. signed up and haven't looked back since. But, you know, initially that was just an email of many that came to my inbox. Mm. Um, you know, like say yes and see what comes from it. Yeah. Um, yeah that's my general thinking. Mm, definitely. And you were taught just, um, I kind of came up with this question now because you were a really interesting point that you made on the mentorship program and uh, the access program as well. Um, what do you, do you think, or could you give the importance of networking and basically staying in contact with people like your mentors and, um, basically like myself and yourself, you know, we, we've, um, been in contact now, um, yeah. with the mentorship pr- program, and we're still in contact now, and keeping them connections because it's a very vital component of business, isn't it? Because a lot of people say that people, it well, people run businesses, and it's the most valuable resource really that you could have, isn't it? Um, well, the first aspect of the mentorship program is that it's free, yeah. so. You know, in the example that I gave around Google, for example, like I got exposure to a mentorship program at Google and it didn't cost me anything other than my time. But what a fantastic opportunity. And that came through the access program. Mm. And a lot of what we're talking about, they're all soft skills. They're all your networking skills, your, your personal skills, your, you know, it's nothing academic. It's just how you do your day to day. 100% Dara, you'd be amazed that once you actually leave the realms of a university, the academic side of things you get into the real world of the day-to-day it's those soft skills that you rely on so much more than the, the hard and which are still important the hard academic skills are still the core of, of what you do and what you need but you rely on those soft skills if you're if you're working on your academic skills which you are in a, in a university setting over the, the three or four year period but then constantly working or chipping away at the soft skills that you might not build up as much, you know, you get exposure in, in group work settings, for example, but you know, if you have a mentor or a group of individuals or a series of programs or, or something even that's less formal and the opportunity presents itself and, you know, th- like that eight degrees of separation, you know, you always know somebody who knows somebody. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I think you'd be amazed at like just having that network. But the other thing as well to that is just be yourself. I think that's the great thing about access students as well, just themselves you know myself yourself what initially attracted to myself to yourself Dara as a as, a, as an access student which I've seen on your on, on your mentorship uh on your your mentorship profile you know 
before understanding all the, the interest in the, or the academic side of things, you know, it, it was your personality of, you know, well, I'm from Wexford, you're from Waterford, you like boxing, I'm like, I like football, you know, and there's the similarities there. And, you know, you, you firstly build off the rapport of the individual and then the other stuff, like the academic side of things kind of comes second nature. Yeah. Um, so like, you know, there's the human element to it as well, which, which is vitally important. Mm. And I was asked a great question by one of my friends who set up his own business and I've asked uh, every single guest that came on since. And that is, what are you fearful of? For me, the biggest fear would be failure. But the concept of failure for me would be the idea of where you set a goal, have a start place, identify the sequence of events that need to happen in order for you to get to that goal. And it's quite tangible. So it's, it's something that's you know, it's tangible, it's realistic, you have a time frame, a general rough path of how you're going to get there. And then failure would be that you don't achieve that goal in that particular time frame. Because then what I do then is reflect back and do a self-analysis on why that didn't happen and go, go again and, and learn from that. And it will happen. But my biggest fear is like setting a goal and not achieving it because I really beat myself up over it. Mm. Um, you know, maybe a little bit too much, but you'd have self-improvement, always going a step above and beyond. Um, yeah, fear for me would be definitely just be failure. Setting the idea of setting a goal, not achieving it, and trying to understand the reasons why as a as a response to that. Yeah, that's um, yeah, that's extremely interesting, and it actually bides very well to the next question is basically how do you set goals and do you use any principles like the smart principle or anything while setting goals well the smart principle is a really good model as well which i think should be at the core or in the back of your mind for for any goal setting but 100 percent error i mean i set goals i have my my notebook here and in the back of my notebook i have, I have two columns i have per, personal goals professional goals I, mean, I think that leads me on to the first thing about goals, which is if you have goals, write them down. Mm-hmm. You know, professionally, if you've got a sales goal, write it down. When you bring in a renewal or you know a sale, you know, scratch off that target minus the amount that you brought in. That's your new goal, and you're always chipping away at that goal. So the first aspect with goals, be it professional or personal, write them down. Look at the list regularly. I think the other aspect to goals: when you achieve a goal, get your pen, strike it out. Because there's no better feeling or satisfaction from striking it out. Mm. And then you know that you've achieved it. It's a psychological thing. It's only small, but really it's, it's, it's absolutely massive. So, yeah, I mean, I have goals. I've got professional goals. I've got professional goals with my job, the nature of being an account executive. You know, in the university setting, I, I obviously had goals and, and certain standards that I always wanted to achieve or, or go above and beyond on them. But I always wrote down my goals, you know, looked at them and then thought about how I was going to achieve them. Mm. Um, and it works, you know, it works. Um, also, don't be afraid to share your goals, you know, put it out there. You know, my goal is to run a 10K race in less than 50 minutes, you know, because yeah. yeah. like it's out there. You've said yeah. it it's yeah. in the public domain. Like, um, you know, you're going to hold yourself accountable to it now. I yeah. don't know if you've got a similar experience there of saying I'm going to... I want to do them in six rounds of boxing or oh, definitely. Up, get up after the first because once you put a goal out there and you know you put it across platforms and then people are like oh are you, are you doing that like it holds yourself accountable you said I've after putting that out people are kind of expecting something so it gives you that added kind of little bit of fuel you know so I think it's great actually putting goals out there you know um, and putting yourself out there you know I want to do this I want to do that um, and then people are like, oh, are you doing that? And it'll actually give you a bit of a kick up the arse, you know, that you might need, you know. 100%. I think the greatest example of that as well, and there's fantastic videos on YouTube, which is Conor McGregor. Mm. Conor McGregor, in his UFC days, go to a press conference and say, I'm going to knock this guy out yeah. in the first round. He's got a soft chin. Mm. You know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to knock him out. And he go and do it. Mm. You know, or he sees something like he's not going to last beyond the third round or whatever yeah you know and then in the press conference after he'd be saying i told you what i was going to do i went out and, <laughs> and i, I did it. it yeah yeah <laughs> i proved you all wrong mm. you know 
but boy did he work hard and boy did he prepare mm-hmm. they have his you know psychological mind game on absolute points he was ready so when he got his to that octagon you know nobody was stopping him mm-hmm. and that's why he was top of his game mm-hmm. um, but like that's a great example of somebody being very vocal almost maybe too vocal about his goals but he delivered yeah. and nobody can question it you know and, and you touched on something very interesting that it, there's a fear of failure there but failure is inevitable in any type of life and especially you're in sales there's massive failure rates in sales how do you deal with basically the doors being shut on you a lot and failures in that well you will always fail yeah because you you never succeed straight off the bat Mm -hmm. so there will always be failure the key thing with failure is how you respond Mm. and like that was something else that we talked about as well there is you know if you fail and you blame every other factor other than yourself that's the worst possible starting place so when failure does happen, you know, in my particular circumstance, be it, you know, if it's sales and I miss a target or whatever, uh, you know, a quarter or whatever, I think the first aspect that I will think about is what could I have done differently? What were the contributing factors and how is that going to change from there on out? Mm-hmm. And then what you need to see is you need to see the reaction. You know, for every action, there's a reaction. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the action there would be you missed your target, you missed your goal. You missed your sale. Okay. Mm-hmm. So how are you going to react? What are you going to do different? You know, how are you going to prepare differently? What needs to change? What are the factors? And it's more so interesting how you react because everyone's failed. And also if you fail, people will give you the benefit of the doubt. Um, you know, I think the reverse aspect of that as well, Dara, is instead of failure, like success. You know, I think if you if you feed off success and you get that winning mindset, you know, and have that mentality of just success and winning and having standards and not like refusing to let them slip. It's a great example, like Roy Keane, for example, mm-hmm. even to this day, he has certain standards. Mm-hmm. He refuses to let them slip uh, and he will hold himself and he will hold everybody else accountable for those standards. Um, and he's not apologetic for it either. So like, I think it's very easy just to focus on failure. I think what I would definitely encourage people to do is, you know, be hungry, achieve success maintain that level of hunger, have that winning mentality, and hopefully you won't even know what failure looks like. Mm-hmm. So failure will happen as you try to progress up, but like you still have that winning mentality of, I, I'm hungry, I want to work hard, I'm still willing to achieve it. Yes, I'm going to fail. Yes, there's going to be knockbacks. But it's that you know age-old expression, just never, never, never give up. You just yeah. never give up. Mm-hmm. Just keep going. Be that sales, be that sport, be that even academic for us. Mm-hmm. Never give up. Just keep on going. It's, you know, it's four years, like three or four years, say, you know, six or eight semesters. <laughs> like, keep don't know how many modules, but like, it's a lot of work. Mm. And the end goal is going to be you throwing the hat up in the air with the piece of paper in your hand. But like, it's a lot of work to get to that stage. And uh, similar in sport, you know, there's an awful lot of playoffs, semifinals, quarterfinals. And then the final before you get to lift the trophy. And you still have to play the final in order to be able to lift the trophy. So mm. yeah. And and that does really go back to what we were talking about before uh we came on air now at the moment, which was there was a, a great podcast, the high performance podcast with Jake Humphreys, and there was a great quote that I just took. I, I listened to the whole podcast and there was just one thing that really stood out to me. It's winners take control and losers blame everything else. So in that moment of failure, uh, Robin Van Persie was given an example of his son that wasn't starting for PSV, uh, that he he's 14 and he was kind of blaming everything else, my coach and the other players don't like me. And he kind of just said to him, you kind of sound like a tiny bit of a loser because losers blame everything else. Rather, he could have looked at himself and said, what could I do? Do I need to be faster? Do I need to be fitter? What can I improve on? And it's the same with yourself. You analyze, you know, when you don't hit a goal, you look at yourself. You don't look at other things like I didn't hit a goal because this person was ringing me or this person. You actually analyze. Exactly. You analyze yourself, which is a great thing, isn't it? You know, to be, look, not 
too self-critical, but you have to say, look, I need to improve on this area, this area, because I haven't achieved my goal and I haven't achieved that standard that I've set for myself. Well, I mean, the key aspect there, Daryl, which you've just mentioned, is I didn't achieve my goal. You know, it's singular. Um, but in certain aspects, there'll be the team element as well. You know, an awful lot of academic work now is moving towards teamwork, which is which is vitally relevant for the workplace. And then whilst you're in the workplace, you know, even though, let's say, I might have a sales target, the, the contributing factors, you know, if I hit my sales number, it's not because I hit my number. It's because everybody else, be it legal, finance, sales ops, my manager, it's because everybody helped, everybody chipped in to achieve that final goal. Because, you know, it's the, the idea that, you know, I show up for a meeting and smash it out of the park and I just, I just send them the form and everything gets signed off. It's, uh, trust me, it's never that easy. Mm-hmm. Um, it's the exact same, you know, if it's a sports team, even if it's an individual sport like tennis, they all have trainers, they all have sports nutritionists, they all have an army of, of, of people to help. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, I think you know, in that example of, of, of Robin Van Persie and his son, you know, I, I would definitely say the aspect of looking at yourself to begin with and the contributing factors of what you could have done differently is, is always your default. Of course, there is an element as well of, you know, did I put myself in the right position when in that particular, like let's say, for example, if the team lost and he didn't score or he, he gave away a penalty or scored no goal, like is there anything he could have done differently? You know, was his communication maybe a little bit off? Mm. You know, did he kind of misplace a pass? You know, like, what, like, what were the contributing factors? Because he was one individual of a team of, 11 on a playing field of 22. So there's so many other contributing factors that led to that one result that he really tried to focus in on. Mm. So, yeah. And I know that you specialized in your undergraduate in management and then went on Mm. to um, management as in your master's. Uh, Could Mm. you just touch on kind of how management has evolved and what do you think are the most important elements of management because like you were saying group projects it's everywhere now at the moment and look you have to get on with people to get on in life so um and manage people is is a vital part of that so could you just touch on that a tiny bit yeah i mean i've had various exposure to to management and management as well has changed massively you know from the days when I was in a school uniform to the days when I was in university, even up to the modern day. Management always changes and evolves. I think managers today, for example, in a, in a professional sense, had a, a lack of trust when employees were working from home and having that lack of visibility. Um, I mean, I've had various aspects of management. You know, academically, you could be leading a group project and trying to get everybody to submit on time, do their job, you know, just try produce a good piece of work at the very end of it. Um, you know, I think on, on a personal level, my, my, my real first proper management exposure was when I led the trip to Ghana with the DCU Global Brigades. Um, so I, I led the trip to Panama, volunteered in Ghana the year before. So I took that step up to to, to the leadership role and, and and to be that manager of the, of the whole brigade. And... You know, it is quite a relentless and, for the most part, like unrewarding aspect. It's a lot of problems, a lot of things to worry about that could go wrong, that might not go wrong. Things do go wrong. You do have setbacks. That, you know, from my experience, the location changed pretty much the last minute. And the amount we needed to fundraise, I think, perhaps increased slightly. Mm. And, you know, it's how you handle that. It's how you communicate it. How you continue to motivate people. Like, we're, we're bringing, you know, 12 or so folk from, from Ireland over to, Panama, <laughs> there's a lot of worried mothers and fathers. Yeah. There's a lot of like, you know, is this a, a session like, or what's the crack? <laughs> yeah, yeah. There is a, there, there's a lot of people you need to try to put at ease. And mm-hmm. um, even even in the university, you know, it's it, there's always that safety aspect. And um, you know that that motivation. You know, you hope that people are are motivated themselves to go and fundraise the money or mm-hmm. or make the difference. Um, you know, everyone's signed up for for, for for the same goal, and then and once you're actually out there, it's it's trying to get the balance of, of enjoying it and then and, and then also trying to be a normal person as well and, and also lead the trip. And 
But like management today, for example, Dari, you know, I've I've a manager who's a fantastic manager. I'm hugely influential in my decision to 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 take a, a promotion earlier this year because, you know, shadowed this guy, heard the feedback, got little snippets of exposure in my previous role. I was hungry, hungry to learn, mm. hungry to improve. Someone that was invested in me as an individual who who set out this vision of, of, of how we can how we can achieve great things, which 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 we are. Um, and also it, it continues, it, it never stops. I think, you know, good managers are, are people that they're putting, they're all putting the, the same rope in, in, in the one direction. I think, you know, successful sports teams, when you think about as much as it pains me to say it, the likes of Liverpool, you know, and Jurgen Klopp, you know, every single player, irrespective of if you were starting or if you were on the bench, or even if you didn't make the squad, every single player was playing for York and Klopp last season. Yeah. And they were formidable. Mm. You know, they who was stopping Liverpool last season? Like not many. Yeah. So like that's that's how management has really changed from let's say the in the in the Liverpool example, Rafa Benitez ten years beforehand, where Argy Bargy mm. kind of like little disputes with players, captains not starting big games, you know, uncertainty. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, management has changed massively. It's I know it's an area as well. I mean, I haven't got the perfect answer to your question there, really, but yeah. you know, it's definitely an area that I think I'll become a little bit more focused in on later on in my career. Mm. And you know, it's definitely something that's on my on my radar. I've had you know limited exposure to to date. You know, mixed feelings about it as well. That you know, when it has happened, and. Um, but it's really important as well. Yeah. Uh, and also you have to give managers the benefit of the day. Like they're putting themselves out there. <laughs> you know. Pretty, yeah. And I, I, th- I, I think that Jorgen Klopp example was a good one. It pains me to say it as well. But <laughs> he actually, it's a great one because he actually improves on players that aren't, like before they came to the club, they probably weren't world class, but he's made them world class. And it's the same with your manager it's look players will come because they know okay this manager will improve me and it's the same in i'd say with yourself in a business aspect why you joined the team because your manager you know from learning from him you can improve you know he can make you into a a world-class player (laughs) indirectly saying i wasn't world class before i joined the team or would overlook that so we will (laughs) No, but you're hundred percent right. Which is, you know, you take something that they have the talents. You know, there's key ingredients like the talent, the work ethic, the goals, the focus, the dedication. You know, they have all that. They might just be missing maybe the, the mentorship or the mm-hmm. arm over the shoulder. The likes of Ferguson, for example, they often say the great thing about Ferguson, he knew exactly when to throw the arm over the shoulder or the boot up the back arse, yeah. or in Beckham's yeah. case, against the eye. You know. <laughs> um, but like that's the great thing about a manager of of, of knowing when to deploy the right strategy. Um, but yeah, I mean, you just need those core ingredients, and when you have it, you know, in the Liverpool example, for some reason, every, everything just came together last mm-hmm, season. Mm-hmm. All the ingredients just came together, and they just yeah, they just pains <laughs> me to say it, but they, yeah, they gel, <laughs> they gel nicely, and it brings me on nicely. What or who has inspired you most? Would you say in your life? Oh, yeah. I mean, there's tons of examples. I think, you know, there's certain family members, like my grandfather, for example, who I have a lot of admiration for. Mm. You know, I think in the current situation that I'm at at this moment in time, I, I do often reflect back to my my secondary school days in the CBS when my business school teacher, um, you know, he had a lot of time for me. Going back to the idea of mentorship, he, you know, he had a lot of time for me one of your earlier questions Dara about the idea of like mentorship's not really that popular in in Ireland or here in the UK you know but mentorship doesn't always have to be that one-to-one very formal structure as I mentioned Mm. and I would reflect back to my business teacher who was kind of a mentor indirectly and definitely helped me along you know academically by no means was I the smartest student in the class if any like probably in the top 10 but what he did see was like someone who had a genuine interest in the subject it, it was just a passion you know even when i went home 
the first bit of homework that I did was business. Uh, and I know they often say you should do it the worst, which for me was like maths or something like that, mm. or science. I hated science. Mm. So like I left that till the end because I just didn't care. I always wanted to go straight in that business, mm. give that my utmost attention and like really do it perfectly. Mm. Um, so like he was a mentor. He definitely influenced my decision to go to university. And then, yeah, I mean, like people I would, I would look up to, I mean, I've always asked for mentors since going on the mentorship program and since in, 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 in that second year, I've always asked for mentors or tried to identify a mentor. Like even when it comes to a job or a career or, or you know, a certain company, you know, whoever my, my next manager is going to be, I often look at them as, are they going to be someone who's going to mentor me and improve me? You know, um, and I think your aspects as well, like tr- trying to pull snippets off maybe, you know, successful people. I know you've mentioned the likes of the Warren Buffetts and, you know, successful athletes, Conor McGregor might be a great example. Like you could, not mentorship, but like you could pull little motivation snippets out of people that you could perhaps relate with. You know, I think Conor McGregor is a great example for us. Mm. You know, someone from very humble beginnings who, you know, worked hard, progressed up, achieved fantastic things, you know, and, and um, well, I wouldn't say he stayed humble, but uh, yeah. he's, uh, <laughs> you know, he's achieved a certain amount. Mm. Um and he's very well respected. I think, irrespective of what you think otherwise, like mm. for what he achieved and what he did, hugely respected. And mm. um, yeah, and and just at the moment now, there's it's a massive change in business, in life, everything. How do you adapt to that change? Um, and I know it's a, it's a, it's a weird one because you ask a lot of people, and you're just like, you just adapt. But how how do you adapt? You know, uh, what do you do? What what do you implement uh, in business, in personal life, in academic life even, you know? Well, I think to that particular point, Dara, I would reflect back on the idea of goals and goal setting. Mm. You know, so the concept of adapting to a particular set of circumstances, if you're setting goals and you have a start point and you have an end point, and most people think and they hope that it's a straight line from start to end. Um, the reality is back to that example of like a squiggly line or a bit of spaghetti in the middle. Mm. Like that, that spaghetti in the middle is the ability to adopt to mm. circumstances. And we've seen this year, a lot of people have to adopt, you know, moving weddings, christenings, uh, you know, an awful lot of people I'm sure had plans to move geographies. Everyone's had to adopt. Now, you know, if you build... If you set goals and have a plan, you know, you, you'll have that ability to adopt in your DNA and it should become second nature. Um, but I think people are, are, are doing it more, more and more often. Um, yeah, I don't know. What do you think of that particular aspect, Eric? What do I think? Yeah, just adoption, yeah. Um, I, I think um, basically having clarity first and then being very organized with your schedule because um, for myself anyway, it's being organized, getting the things that I need to um, do in, which is a lot of time exercise, trying to fit that around the day, you know, a busy day. Don't let that, if, if I have a very busy day, get up earlier in the morning, do it early mm. in the morning, get it done. You feel good for the rest of the day. Um, you know, because them long slog days, sometimes you just, you need so, so that bit of energy or I've done that, I've kind of bet the morning. So basically organization is key for me and following uh, the goals because you're not going to really get up early if you don't have that goal to get to. So setting them goals and basically organization is probably one of the, the big ones and scheduling out your day in a concise manner which probably yeah. probably would, would have been the best one for me because without the commute, without a lot of things, you have a lot more time on your hands. So use yeah. that time to your benefit, really. So, yeah. And I know that's how our mentorship program works so successfully as well, Dara, whereby, yeah. you know, we laid out a curriculum, we laid out a rough timeline. Mm-hmm. We kind of knew, you know, the goal to have that mentorship. You know, I obviously learned a ton throughout, but I think, a particular tangible goal for yourself was getting a placement at the end of that second year before your third year began. Yeah. And um, 
but you know like we adopted accordingly i was here in the uk you're in dublin and you know, you know we put in the curriculum for an on-site for example in in semester two just before the the interviews began we we uh we planned you know, roughly around when you'd be submitting your cv you know before the interviews doing the interview practice etc so like we adopted and we, we we planned accordingly to to what we kind of envisioned to just to happen to to, to schedule yeah uh, you know I, I know for example I, I do remember for some reason from, from from my experience the interviews were really really late yeah so I think we did interview practice they were waiting for ages so I think we did a, a little brush up just before you actually went into the interviews because yeah. It was so long before that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, 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 yeah exactly. So, and, and I think, I think how, it, yeah. how it worked as well is that, like, you gave me the work to do. It wasn't just I was listening to you and going back to that learn by doing. You know, you said, go off and do this with your CV or work on this or do a little exercise. So I think, look, you can't just learn by listening to someone. You, well, some people do. Look, there there's different types of learners, but... If you have identified yourself as someone that learns by doing, do it and get your mentor to give you things. You know, uh, if you're learning by someone, say, hey, could I, you know, in, in the kitchen, for example, hey, could I jump on that dish, see you doing it and then do it myself? You know, just little things like that is um, helped me anyway. So, um. oh, yeah, I mean, your thing as well, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a, a process. So like, there should be a natural next step. Mm-hmm. from every single stage so you know like let's say the homework that we had for example you know if, if we did version 1.2 of the, the cv click then now i'm expecting to see the draft of version 1.3 and then on the next call i'm going to grill you on what that cv is if that makes sense so like yeah and that's where you need that mutual buy-in as well whereby you know if i'm going to jump on a call on a wednesday in november at 8 p.m after five, five or six zoom calls during the day you know even if it's 8 p.m like i need you to bring your best version of yourself to that call i need you to ask questions be proactive yeah you know and that's like what i said to ross as well yesterday which was like the great thing about yourself Dara, on the on the mentorship program was that you always showed up and i think that's vitally important as well like you have good days you have bad days but like you need to show up mm. you need to bring the best version of yourself you need to be engaged because you know what, there's somebody else on the other side of that of that call or, or, or that table and you, know, you need to get them excited because if you're not excited, I can tell you something, they're definitely not excited. Mm-hmm. So like, there's something mutual and like to your idea of, you know, having that next step or having that follow-up, of course, because it's a continual conversation. It's a it's a process. Mm-hmm. You know, if, if we're doing something and nothing comes out from it, then there was never a process there in the first place. That was just like... Obviously, it's probably a waste of time. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like oh, that, straight up. But that point you touched on, always showing up, is so so important because look, we're all gonna have t- spells where we're just we're not interested at all. We don't want to do it. Everything's telling us. But when you push yourself through them moments, it's one of the best things you can do because you're staying consistent. Then and then, when you are in that mode, then that that's that's perfect but it's when you don't want to do it you have to keep pushing through that and just it'd be a good question how do you do that how do you keep pushing through do you just keep doing it or do you have a method um around that everyone's human as well Dara. so everyone has good days everyone has bad days um you know and i'm absolutely no different at all i think the key thing is you always have to turn up and yeah. I know, I know for your, yourself, example, if you want to do a morning run or a swim or in the afternoon, a boxing class or whatever. And like, that's your, your time, that's your downtime. I know I gave a very simple example earlier on when we were chatting, which was like back in the summer, for example, when I was really uh, trying to motivate myself, you know, every day kind of felt a little bit like Groundhog Day with, with the lockdown and um you know every morning before the day started threw on my headphones uh sound dust the song uh music sounds better with you like five minutes like throw that fella Tune. on like get that in your eardrums yeah <laughs> like tell you you listen to that you will not be in a bad mood mm. you know it's similar to like going for a run you know you throw on an interesting podcast or if you want to uh well you can just throw on 
an absolute fantastic trance dance playlist yeah. and like literally just get lost <laughs> your drums. whatever gets you in the zone yeah like just do it you know and um, like that's like a little example that that i share of the music sounds better with you but hey if it works and everyone has their little their, their little tricks you know and um, yeah you know sport sports athletes for example i know i did the, the tour of old trafford and i wanted the floors to have how players psychologically prepare for a game you know certain players would sleep in the, the Lowry in, in a certain room with a certain teammate the teammate was injured they didn't want anybody else coming in you know and uh, you know players like Rio Ferdinand I think they tied their laces on their left shoe before their right shoe they'd always go and warm up in the same corner they have this routine but like it's just a psychological thing yes um, and then similarly like if they don't do that you know um, or if something changes then they're, they're routine they're completely thrown off yeah. they don't know where to start yeah yeah um, that's just, that's very interesting yeah and you see that a lot in sport the superstitions and the things around that yeah tons and a lot of it to us seems absolutely silly but uh, yeah I mean I mean even you know academic for example group work you know the decision being able to choose your groups versus being put in the group you know, an awful lot of people work in the exact same groups. Mm. And when you get put into a group, irrespective of how academically smart or, or good you are, people fail to adopt uh, or they may struggle in, in a new group dynamic mm. um, because you get into your comfort zone. Mm. Um, yeah, so it's interesting. And just to touch on um, three books um, that you would recommend to listeners, maybe that could be business, personal, sports, any three books that you would uh, recommend? Well, I know you've mentioned the Simon Sunak ones, which are ones that I haven't read, but are definitely on my on, on, on my book list to uh, to read. Um, I know one that I found particularly interesting was uh, Sir Alex Ferguson leaving. Not just saying that because I'm a United fan, but <laughs> there's an awful lot of like very good principles and core values that I got from that book you know an awful lot of little human stuff like knowing everybody's name knowing everyone's first name and an awful lot of little things that um you know if you apply to the business practice you know always referring to somebody by their by their first name or mentioning their first name just to get their attention little things like that makes such a huge huge difference and so I think that's definitely one that's that's worth a read I mean, you've got to be stumped for a, for a third one. I don't know if you want to throw any suggestions out there of, of good ones that you've read since I... Uh, um, a, a small little book that I've read is Who Moved My Cheese? Um, okay. It's basically a story about... Um, basically about philosophy and life and um, how do you approach life. Um, I, can, I can't do it much justice. But then from a business point of view, probably Warren Buffett, The Snowball, it's a massive book um but that <laughs> that is probably one of mine and johnny cash's book is um it's a great book as well if anyone's interested in 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 that but that's kind of the books i've been reading at the moment but just going back to that point on sir alex ferguson i think mm. that is an amazing point and it's something that we were talking about you know the importance of people and getting yeah, on with people and knowing their name something so um so simple but or saying you look really good today you know <laughs> you know what i mean oh, yeah. you're looking very well or just it, it gives someone a compliment or it, it, it's very important to have that kind of emotional intelligence isn't it because a lot of people managers even don't have that well that's what ferguson said ferguson said the best two words that you can say to a person to for their self-esteem or for their motivation or whatever is is, is well done mm. you know if you whisper in someone's ear well done it puts them on cloud nine because in order to get to that standard, for example, if, you know, if Sir Alex Ferguson's whispering in your ear, well done after you played 90 minutes on a football field, like he's seen plenty of players in his day. So mm. they have that level of standards, you know, same as an academic. They've had plenty of students come through the doors for them to review one of your assessments and to, to say, well done, it's, it's, it's quite the compliment. Uh, but it's only two words and it doesn't cost anything, you know, mm. and it's go back to that, that people point. I did think thereof. It's it's not one per se. It might be a bit of a a wild card to throw at you, but 
uh, as, as a third book. And I know it is a book. I haven't read it, but a uh, different angle is The Wolf of Wall Street, Jordan Belford. I know everyone knows the movie, yeah. but there is a book there. There's a really good story there as well about like morals and ethics and, um, you know, what's right, what's wrong. And, but I did go also to one of his training sessions in person in the O2 here in, in London. Amazing. And yeah, it was like a, I mean, it turned into like a six hour seminar. Um, and you sit there and you take notes and, and you like, you learn so much like on sales, on approaches, on structure. Like I know as a, as a human being, he, he might not be the, the most morally ethical person, but you know, also as a, you know, as a salesperson, like he was successful, even though yeah. he wasn't doing the right things, but like yeah. he has, he has an approach, he has a strategy, you know, he's clearly done his time, learned his lessons and, and what he's preaching now isn't necessarily unethical. Mm. Uh, but like that's, that's one that I also definitely encourage people to, you know, if it's the idea of learning or self-improvement that, um, you know, audiobooks right now, hugely mm. important. This is a podcast. People are listening people always want to learn, yeah. you know, seminars, TED talks. I mean, we've mentioned Simon Sunak, everyone knows his, his, his TED talks and his, his videos. So, um, there's different ways people can, can learn and, and, and self-improve. But that, that's a, def- a great point. Cause we were talking about learning and learning from people and not like not to have a closed mind. You can learn off anyone, you know, you're a mentor. You can learn off a mentee that has, very little experience he could say something she could say something that you think oh gee i have a lot more experience than this person but i'm actually learning from and it's the same with a jordan belfort or so, someone like that because a lot of people will close it off oh that fella is a scumbag he's this or whatever yeah yeah but yeah. you could learn a lot from him because obviously there's a lot of information to impart and it's the same with you know even anyone that's been to prison or like there's no point writing people off because people you'll always learn from maybe you might learn i'm not going to make the mistakes they made or you might learn something else so i think it that's a great point to to maybe even finish up on yeah that's that's a great point yeah i think the other one as well that everyone absolutely loved during the lockdown period was last dance mm. with the um uh with the bulls yeah. and michael jordan you know michael jordan has a reputation and i think people after that had a lot of respect for, for michael jordan i know People have question marks as well, but you know, even if you've no interest in, in 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 basketball or sport in general, like there's not a lot of business teams that came out of that yeah. documentary. It, it, you know that that winning mentality he definitely applied into every situation that he's, that he's gone into, uh, and, and that's a ten part um, Netflix documentary series. So, mm. you know, really thinking about what you're looking at and how you can apply it to yourself. There's so many examples um mm. that, that that people can draw from that was done so well i think um the, that documentary and it was just it really highlighted his competitive nature and if you look at any successful person they're very very competitive at anything they do you think of ronaldo you know he's amazingly competitive you think of any um you know floyd mayweather so competitive list goes on anyone who's at the top of their game you have to be very competitive, don't you? You know. Yeah, but again, they touched upon an awful lot of themes that we've talked about during this podcast as well. There are they've all failed, but again, similarly, you know, they all work in a team or a team setting, and you know, they're all willing to improve. They make a lot of sacrifices, and yes, they go on to achieve phenomenal heights. I'm sure they're very self-critical. They also come in for a lot of criticism themselves. You know. Um, to get to a certain level, you need to face that side of it as well. But um, they all did it in the, in the right way. They all had the, the right attitude. They all made the right sacrifices. And, and they've all been, well, I think we would both agree, extremely successful. Yep. Um, and going back to the, what, what we initially mentioned as well, Derek, I'm sure they all had mentors. You know, they all had people that they, that, that, that they looked towards. Yep. Um, you know, my favourite footballer ever is David Beckham, and I make no secret of it. And, his 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 mentor was Bobby Charlton in his in his soccer school days, and and that's how he got his break initially. And you know that's kind of mentorship, as we've said, it's has it has different forms, 
and um, yeah, I mean, it's not as as, as obvious as, as you think. Yeah, and and you're basically, you know, the five the top five people you surround yourself with, you're gonna that, that's gonna have a massive impact on what you're gonna be like, what you learn, 100%. what you translate to that. So it's very important to surround yourself with people like that, like you've done yourself in a work situation, in obviously per, um, maybe in a personal situation as well. So, um, yeah. Yeah, 100%. I mean, London, for example, very competitive city, the yeah. business city, you know, it's it's go, go, go. You know, people as well that move to New York, you know, I'm sure New York has the glamorous side to it as well, but it's very corporate. It's very go, go, go. Mm. It's this surrounding that you put yourself in. And then you just need to rise to that level. And, um, you know, all the people that we've just mentioned, be it Ronaldo or Michael Jordan, you know, Michael Jordan, for example, I think started off at South Carolina and then moved on to the Bulls, you know, Ronaldo, Sporting Lisbon, United, Madrid, you know, he's consistently progressing up yeah. and, uh, and, and trying to improve to your point by being in a, a particular environment. You know, both those particular players, you know, very enclosed in the examples of Michael Jordan and Ronaldo, very enclosed, you know, could probably count the people that they trust on, on one hand. I know I watched the Ronaldo documentary or, or movie recently, and there's a scene in it where he's sitting with his family and he pretty much says, I can trust this person, this person, this person, this person, this person. And everybody else, I wouldn't trust with any news if, if his girlfriend was pregnant or mm. if he's going to move football club or, if he's going to retire from international football or whatever, like he wouldn't tell anybody else other than that close circle of, of five people. And they, they do it on purpose, I'm sure. But um, that's, that's kind of what you need as well. But uh, I, I won't keep you any longer, Robert, because I know you're um, you're going to be on another call now, as always, working, working <laughs> hard. Never stop, <laughs> <laughs> but come here, it was absolutely uh, amazing to have a chat with you and uh, always is. And we'll keep in contact in the future. Pleasure, not at all. Absolute legend, Rob.